case you didn't know, that was a song Brad actually wrote. And I'm so thankful for the gift that God gave Brad. But let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And as we think about how our soul longs for you, I do thank you for the way that you've gifted Brad and how you've gifted, in fact, each and every one of us. And you've given us talents. You've given us uh, abilities, Lord. And, and your desire is for our souls to long for you. It is your desire for us to use our gifts and talents to bring you glory, God. And so as we talk uh, more in our series about what it looks like for us to be uh, followers of you, God, I pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts in the way that each one of our hearts needs to hear. Uh, Because each one of us does need to hear a different message today, God. And that's what's so amazing about your talents, Lord, is you can speak to a bajillion different people with the same word in a different way. And so, God, speak to us. Give us ears to hear. In your name we pray. Amen. What a great song. Our soul longs for you. And I I think there's so many of us that, uh, you know, we we have this deep desire to get to know the Lord. We have a desire to know God. And, And our intentions are always really good, aren't they? I mean, at least it feels like that sometimes. Right now, we're in a sermon series called Prodigal God. And we've taken this sermon series uh, from the parable that Jesus teaches us regarding the lost son. And a a gentleman by the name of Tim Keller wrote a book called Prodigal God, which takes the word prodigal, which means recklessly extravagant, uh, or one who has spent all, when he reshapes this parable, uh, or reshapes the way we think about this parable, into really thinking about it in the way that Jesus was nailing home. Um, Because the reality of it is, in the story... You have to remember who Jesus was talking to. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to sinners. He was talking to all these messed up people. And so as he's sitting down to tell these stories to these people, he's taking in consideration his audience. And something that's often lost when we think about who Jesus is talking to, we have to remember the people that Jesus is talking to in our story this morning are the very people that will put him on the cross. These are the Pharisees the teachers of the law, that will hand him over to Pilate to be crucified. And so it's amazing to me the way that Jesus is responding to these people because as most of us would respond, if someone we we were told someone was going to try to kill us, we would try to kill them first or something. (laughs) Maybe it's just me. But Jesus doesn't act that way. Jesus goes on this beautiful teaching and starts teaching these parables. Remember, it's teaching tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees and teachers of the law. And he teaches them the parable of the lost coin. And then he teaches them the parable of a lost sheep. But then he teaches them the parable of the lost son. And I want to share with you something this morning. Something that's very personal to me. Something actually I don't want to share. But it's so appropriate for this story, I feel like I have to share it. Um, Because one of the weeks we've talked about, we've talked about the younger brother, we've talked about how that younger brother who went off and squandered his father's wealth, how easy it is for us to look at that and understand why sleeping with prostitutes is wrong and, and why wishing your father dead, why that's wrong. It's so easy to understand that grodiness of sin, but it's sometimes so hard for us to connect to the righteous brother, the the second brother that we talked about last week, the elder brother, and how he was trying to leverage God by his good deeds. And by doing that, he was just as lost as the younger brother. And the story I'm about to tell you is a story that, that really just hits at my heart. Because I do believe that in our lives, we're all at one point in this story, the younger brother, every one of us. 
And I'm terrified that all of us as believers constantly have one foot in the door of being the older brother. And we don't want to be that. I have a wife and two kids, and they're the closest thing to me on this planet. But there's one relationship I have that is just as close to me and is just as dear to me. And his, his, his name is the Cougar. <laughs> and, and a lot of you know my brother. Uh, his real name's Kevin, but don't tell him that. We've called him the Cougar since he was a little kid. And a lot of you have heard my testimony. I come from very broken circumstances, very broken background. And as I was going through high school, I found out something that wrecked my world. I found out that in Louisiana, I had a brother. Papa was a rolling stone. We'll just say it like that. And I found out I had a brother in Louisiana. His name was Smitty. And so I was a high school kid thinking, wow, I've got a, I've got a, a brother. I, you know, this is kind of awesome. And, and, and so as a high school kid, I began to think about how, how do I get involved in his life? How can I become involved in his life? And then news came down the line uh, later that you have another brother. His name's Kevin. And it cracks me up because if you were to know me and my older brother, Ben, uh, my brother Smitty and my brother Kevin are like carbon copies of us. Uh, Cougar's just a little bit prettier than me, though, <laughs> and younger. So, so it's this amazing thing where I have these two brothers now that I didn't know I had. And so as I'm growing up, I'm growing closer to the Lord, and I'm going to make a very long story short. Here I find myself in college, loving God. I'm pursuing the things of God. I want to be righteous in the eyes of God. And so I remember sitting down with my brother Ben in college, talking about our younger brother, Smitty, and and our younger brother, the Cougar. We quickly came to the realization that the same deadbeat dad that abandoned us, that, that through brokenness circumstances we even came to be, they were going to experience that same kind of lostness. And my brother Ben and I came to a place in our relationship with one another and our relationship with God where we made a pact with one another and we said the bondage of alcoholism, the bondage of abuse, the bondage of crazy that the Kendrew name has bared up until the point of Ben and I is going to die with us. And no matter what we had to do, we were going to go after our brothers because it was the right thing to do. And so my brother Ben and I made a pact that regardless of what happens in our lives, Ben was going to go after Smitty and I was going to go after the cougar. And we were going to make sure that they had a dad in the form of an older brother. We were going to make sure that they were going to church, that they were hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I got married coming right out of college and I remember calling up the cougar saying, I'm coming to get you. And for the next several years, I would drive all the way to Ohio and I would pick my brother up. I would get him into church. I introduced him to some of his dearest friends and some of his friends became some of my dearest friends. And and this relationship grew and I just grew very close to my brother. And and I love seeing him grow into the man of God that he was growing into. And I'm not going to lie to you. Part of me in my soul as a pastor at the time was thinking, Jamie, God must be pretty proud of you. Because let's be honest, it's pretty awesome what you're doing. And so while my intentions, I thought, were pure, you can quickly see how maybe they weren't. Because like all high school and early college age kids, the cougar started making some bad choices. And I did ask him if I could share this. Cougar made some bad choices. 
And so being the righteous pastor, Pastor Jamie, holy man that I was, I began to let him know how poor his choices were. And I began to blast him for who he was becoming. And finally, after what I felt was betrayal and some other bad decisions, I came to the point in my life where I was just going to be done with the cougar. And instead of fighting for my brother's soul, and instead of fighting for my relationship with my brother, I washed my hands, not of his sin, but of him. And I walked away from my brother in his most important time of need. And I abandoned him. And see, what happens in our story today, we're left longing for the ending of that story. When Jesus tells us the parable that we're reading about the younger son and how he went off and he squandered his father's wealth, we're left longing to know what happens at the end of that story. Because if you remember, it wasn't the fact that the younger son came home and repented and said, woe is me, father, I am terribly sorry. No, if you remember, the younger son comes home in the story still dirty, still smelling like pigs, still being sinful and broken. The love of the father was not conditional on that, that, that son. The love of the father made the son's repentance easier. And so the love of the father was always there for that son. Then we have the older brother who just couldn't, couldn't handle the fact that his younger brother had done these things, not to his father, but to him. Because you see, sometimes older brothers who pretend they have great intentions worry more about the way something makes them look than what the father thinks. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was terrified on how my brother Cougar was making me look because I was a pastor. I raised this boy. And now he's going to do stuff like this? And like the older brother, I began to worry more about leveraging God and doing the right things instead of hitting the point of why I was a pastor at all. It's very easy for us as believers to miss the point of who we are. Amen? So we find ourselves in this part of the story looking at a lost younger brother who comes home to a loving father and they throw a party. The younger brother in his lostness comes home. The father brings him back in. They're at a table. They're having a party. But the older brother, being cranky and dejected because of the inconvenience it is on him, stands outside. Doesn't go into the party. And Jesus is talking specifically to the Pharisees in this moment. And he's saying, you do realize the Father desires for you to be in at the party. You realize the Father comes out from the party. Jesus came to earth to say, come with me. Join me. I I love you. You are as significant to me as the 99 found sheep. The one lost sheep is just as significant as you. Everybody's significant. And so the loving Father goes out, tries to get the self-righteous, goody-do-two-shoes, do-gooder son to come in. But because of his pride, he does not. Now, here's the thing with sin. See, as as Christians, a lot of times we're taught a false uh, teaching about what sin is. A lot of us, we look at sin and we think sin is this thing that if I go out and and I ninja kick somebody down a flight of steps, that's sin. But the reality of it is, that is actually just the manifestation of sin. 
Because if I'm doing that kind of thing, there's something deep inside of me. There's a condition in my heart that is actually the sin and the brokenness. And so as the Pharisees are living their life, and these older brothers are living their life, what they do see is they take this punch list of sins. Okay, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And what they do is they bring that list out, they sit it down as if they're at a coffee house with God, and they look at God, and they say, okay, well, I messed up here. My bad. I messed up here. I'm sorry. I messed up here. And I'm here to tell you, repentance from sin is not a fake apology to God. When you think about the word repentance, it literally means to turn and flee. And when we think of Joseph at the side of Potiphar's wife, when she threw herself at him, what does the Bible say he did? He ran. And and I love that imagery because when we look at sin, we often look at it in this soft way and we go, my bad, God. But the reality of it is, is if we are truly repentant of our sins, we should be running in the other direction from them. Is that making sense? And instead, we say, my bad. I won't do this again, God. And we try to be righteous and we try to punch our little punch card never fully understanding that in order for us to genuinely repent, we must have remorse for what we've done. We must truly regret what we have done. You've ever been given a fake apology from somebody? Or, or maybe even just a superficial apology? Sorry. You know they're not sorry. And so the Pharisees would actually go through this type of thing. And they would actually beat themselves up. Some of them would even whip themselves and say, okay, this is my penance. Now I'm all good with God. The reality of it is, is when we look at the younger or the older brother and we look at the Pharisees, if you were to look at the ticky-tack do's and do-nots that people associate with being a believer, you could honestly say that they're pretty good guys. That they haven't done a lot wrong. That in fact, the sin as we sometimes define it, they, they haven't even really sinned. But boy, have they sinned. Because they're really missing the heart of why they're doing what they're doing. And they're trying to leverage God. So we don't want to be the younger brother, do we? We don't want to be the older brother, do we? So what does that leave us? Where does that leave us in this story? Well, as I gave you a sneak peek last week, there's actually a third brother in this story. But we just long for him. And that third brother is the true older brother. When we read this parable, let's read this real quick. I'm going to read our scripture to you. And it's found in Luke 15, verse 30. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The father says, my son... You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother's of yours was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and is now found. The younger brother was lost, and the older brother failed to delight in the fact that he was found. It's amazing because in the first two parables that Jesus teaches us, he teaches of a lost coin and a lost sheep. There's something that they have in common with this parable, that there was something lost. 
And when it was found, there was a tremendous party. Do you remember this? But there's something unique about this third story. There's something unique about this third story because in the first two stories, the lost object can't find itself. Listen to me, people. Unless God reveals himself to your heart, you cannot find yourself. You cannot be your own savior. The coin in the floor or the sheep out in the field isn't going looking around saying, I'm lost, find me. It's simply just lost. The coin doesn't even know what's lost. But the difference between those two stories and the story of the lost son is somebody went looking for the coin. Somebody went looking for the sheep. But in the instance of the younger brother, nobody went after him. The person that should have went after the younger brother should have been the older brother. He should have taken what was left of his inheritance and gone after his younger brother, coming at great cost to him because it was the right thing to do because he saw how the lost son being lost grieved the father and the true older brother, the right older brother, is the older brother in the story that should have gone after his lost brother. Jesus is the true older brother. Because the reality of it is, is we are all lost. Whether in our righteousness and our goodness, or whether in our brokenness and ugly sin, we are all lost. Every one of us has screwed up and messed up. But the true older brother came looking for you and for I. And we were found. And that is a reason to celebrate. I remember I had started working here at Christ Church. It was like week one, month one, very early on. And I was getting up to go to a meeting of the entire Family Life staff. We, Gordon Green had arranged for something. And, and I would listen to devotionals on the way to work. Um, I would just pop. It was, it was uh, what's the actor's name? It's, it's a moot point. It's not important. But there was a famous actor who would read the, the scriptures, Denzel Washington. And I would listen to him read scriptures. And, and the scripture passage that I got this morning was Genesis 4. And if you don't know what Genesis 4 is, it's the story of Cain and Abel. And I just remember these words ringing out from my radio, from the scriptures, and it said, Cain, where's your brother? And I can't explain how God, for two years, I I just disassociated myself with the cougar because I was righteous. And if I was going to be the righteous pastor I knew I was supposed to be, I couldn't associate with that kind of stuff. But now in my speakers, I hear the Bible speaking to me saying, where is your brother? In the story that comes from Genesis 4, Cain had murdered his brother and buried him. And God replies to Cain. Cain says, or Cain replies to God and he says, what, am I my brother's keeper? And sitting there, I remember I was driving down behind Blackburn Road. My heart is just beginning so heavy. And then God's response to Cain was the blood of your brother cries out from the ground. I lost it. I'm driving down the road and all I can think about 
is you're trying to be Pastor Jamie, but you're missing the point of why you are who you are. It's not so that you can be self-righteous to look good in the eyes of God. And that's why you hear me beat it into your heads all the time that God loves you as much now as he ever will. You don't have to earn God's love by doing stuff. He loves you. And it was in that moment that, that I came to the realization that I was trying to earn God's love. I was trying to work my way into God's favor. And I have blown it. And not only did I blow it, but I blew it with my brother, the cougar. I love this kid. And I made a promise and a vow to God that I would not give up on him. And I've abandoned him to his sin. I didn't just give up on his sin. I gave up on my brother. And, and I kept driving to the place I was going and I was losing it. And I remember pulling up to this, this house and composing myself and walking in. And Gordon Green looks at us and says, Hey guys, I got this great book we're going to go through today called Prodigal God. Might as well have taken a missile and wrecked my world. Because we got hung up, and I know Robbie remembers this. We got hung up talking about the older brother and how through our righteousness we try to earn favor to God, but the reality of it is is we can be just as lost. And I remember thinking to myself, I never went looking for my brother. Folks, I was a pastor for many years, and I have to be very honest with you. I don't think it was until that moment that I truly understood what it meant to hand my life to Jesus. I had abandoned my brother. I know he remembers this because it was weird. On the way home, I, did you ever get one of these phone calls where someone calls you and they're crying uncontrollably and you can't hear anything that they're saying? I'm like, <laughs> he's like, whoa, what's, what, are, what are you saying? And, and all I could get out was cougar, I love you. And he instantly began to go into this long, repentant, I messed up, brother. I love you. I miss you. I'm so sorry. And I went, shut up. You remember? I said, shut up to him. I said, shut up. And I, and I began to talk about how, as a Christian, I am not called to give up on my brother. I'm called to, to give up on his sin, but I'm not called to give up on my brother. And I, I begged for his forgiveness. And I'm very lucky because he did forgive me. And immediately after that, our relationship began to go closer to God. And I'm so proud of who he has become in the Lord. He's pursued God. He's working with our students here at the church. But I was pushing my brother away from God because I was trying to be righteous and self-righteous. Whereas if I was trying to be like Jesus, I would have went after him from day one. And so the question I have for you right now is, who is the younger brother in your life that you need to go after? Because listen to me, if people sin, we should be able to love them through their sin. And I'm not telling you to embrace or accept their sin, but I'm telling you, you have to find a way to love them through their sin because that's what Jesus Christ did. And until you are given the promotion of Christ yourself and they're good enough for Jesus to be forgiving, then you can forgive them too. I don't care what they have done. As if true believers, if we say that we want to be like Jesus, Jesus was a true older brother who came to seek and save the lost. The Bible tells us that he will go, he's going right now to prepare a place for us in his father's house. That he will come back for us. That if we believe in him, we will forever dwell with him in eternity. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty screwed up. You're screwed up too. I just know you are. 
And if God can forgive us and God can redeem us from what we once were, He can redeem our lost little brothers. He can redeem our self-righteous attitudes. And He can set us free from our false righteousness. And He will set us free from our sin. Do you recognize that you have a true older brother? That you at one time were that lost coin and you could do nothing about it. But Jesus came and found you. That's the first important thing of today is that Jesus found you. And we're to celebrate that. We're to go nuts. We're to go have a party. But the other side of that is this. Who is it in your life that you need to go after? Because in your honest attempt to do good, you have given up on them. You have given them over to their sins. Well, let me tell you something. God will give us over to our sins, but God never gives up on us. And if we want to be like Jesus and we want to be true older brothers, we can hand our lost loved ones over to their sin. But we need to constantly pursue them and love them and go after them. Because Jesus tells us that his mission statement is to seek and to save the lost. We have an older brother. We have a true older brother who loves us, who wants to rescue us. The Bible says that as the church, we are to be the vessel by which God reveals himself. We are to be the hands and feet of God. The true older brother went out and found his lost younger brother, and it would take a great expense to do that. It cost Jesus everything to come after us. It's going to be inconvenient to go after lost people. As we said with the younger brother, he still smelled like pigs and grossness when he came home to the father. Looking for lost people is always going to be gross. But as believers, we are called by Jesus, we are called by God to get our hands dirty and to not be so worried about the fragrance or not so worried about the way people smell or the what kind of clothing they're wearing. God wants us to be broken over their hearts because it's in the heart is where sin comes from. It's in that condition of being sinful. And that's what we're supposed to go after. We're to be the true older brother. We're to celebrate because we have a true older brother. I want to close with this quote from Tim Keller's book. He says, We will never stop being younger brothers or elder brothers until we acknowledge our need, until we rest by faith and gaze in the wonder at the work of the true older brother, Jesus Christ. Have you stopped to think about the price of your salvation? Have you stopped to think about how God came after you? I've been the older brother. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's no fun. Those are some of the spiritually darkest years of my life. Repent. Come home. Go to the party. And go start inviting people to the party. Over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about this beautiful party. We're going to talk about the feast that the fathers have. Father has and and I just want to encourage you to be excited because if you love Jesus you are not lost 
And if, and, if, and if you don't, if you in your heart don't think that you're found and, and you have a question about whether you're still lost or not, I want to encourage you, come up and have a conversation with me after the service because I would love to talk to you about how Jesus is looking for you and how he is searching for you. And I just want to say God bless you and truly love people because you were first loved. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you the way that Jesus was that true older brother who came looking for us. We thank you that we didn't earn that, God, but it is by your grace and mercy alone that any of us have our hearts stirred while we all come to you broken and smelling. We pray, God, that you would make us right, that you would fix our hearts, and that you would reconcile those relationships where we have been the older brother where we have not loved the way that we are supposed to have loved help us God to look to your son Jesus as an example of how we are to live we thank you that we have a true older brother in Jesus name